So, you know, like, hobbits, yeah? Yeah, I've heard of them. You know how they're, like, quite quite short and, you know, they've got little fuzzy toes. That, that's two of the famous things I know about and them. And they've got quite, quite, quite leathery, leathery feet. Yeah. You know how I've also got quite leathery feet? Sure. And, you know... If I haven't epilated them, I've still got quite fuzzy toes. Right. Despite having lasered them a couple of times. Mm. Do you think I'd get on all right in the Shire? I think you'd get on great in the yeah. Shire. Yeah. You think, you think it'll be fine? You think I could make that my natural habitat? Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Magnetdale. And I'm not Jane Eyre's Magnetdale. And welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers. It's a podcast where two queer trans women, that's us, we're wifey types, talk about all sorts of media stuff we've consumed in the week and do silly voices and skits and have a bit of a silly catch-up together. How are you doing? I'm better than last week. Yeah. Way less ill. I'm glad. I'm glad. You you really came down with it real fast last week. Came down with it real fast, real hard, got over it. Im, Im, you know what's weird? It's been nice just to have a cold. Just to have an illness that, just, that very quickly it comes and it goes and it just sort of yeah. is done with. Like, yeah, you know, my immune system's been tested and, and I get to walk away and, you know, not spoil too many weekends as opposed to just completely writing off my entire life for multiple days, potentially weeks. Because I've got the plaguey. I'm, I'm glad you are not too plagued this week. Mm, mm. If anything, I, I think I'm well over it by now. Well, bit sleepy, but le- less of the plagued, more of the played. What have ah, you played this week? Oh, look, that's, look that's at the that. smoothest segue. That's, that's someone that's who's been sm- podcasting for a decade looking for those in. Yeah, what, yeah, what yeah. If, yeah. You're like, you... like there's people on YouTube with the oh, I just talked about one thing. Oh, and now we're talking about. Manscaped or Raid Shadow Legends. What what have you played this week? What have I played? Well, I I played a bunch of Mythwind. Uh, I think we talked about this last week. This is a a, a board game. It's a cosy little time about building a little village. And you've got four little, uh, four, four different characters you can play in, in the game. It's got a really innovative saving system. Um, but I have run into a problem, and maybe it was Ooh. the fact that I played like twenty six hours in about eight days. Okay, I might have accidentally acted like completely accidentally, in no way deliberately, and in in no way like aggressively min max the fun out of it. Okay, so the basic character is the farmer, right? And or should I say that like the, the you you've got the the savable characters you've got the savable village and it really is all about building up the village and then uh having these events and the of is events will expand the story and make changes like big changes to the board beyond you built a thing and now you get rewards for it or you have a place you can go and and achieve a thing mm. the characters themselves they don't really have any goals of their own okay so, for example, the the farmer, initially you have, like, uh, quite an overgrown farm area. Mm. And you, the first thing you're really trying to do is clear away all of the, uh, like, overgrowth and start building a farm and producing crops and uh, then starting to get some livestock and the livestock help you run your equipment and the equipment helps that 
uh, engine be be more efficient. Yeah, that is basically an, an engine that you're building. With the Ranger, you can just go on on adventures, and they will be shorter or longer depending on uh, how how complicated you want it to be. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, really, all you're trying to do with that specific character is fill in their five skill slots. Every character has five skill slots, and you'll need to meet certain conditions or have certain things in order to uh, pay for those. And the other thing you'll you'll need to do to like truly get the most out of the the ranger is to um, pay certain costs in order to increase your hand limit while you're out on quests, mm. meaning that you can do more complicated missions. And it was weird because I got through a good. I think I played through the entire first in-game year. As just the farmer, thinking like, this is a, an easy character, I'll get the hang of it, and then I'll understand and I'll try some other things. And then I, I popped out the ranger, and I was like, okay, well, we've already got like a, a sort of basic town going. I've unlocked a, a lot of uh, like extra um, worker dice yeah. within the town. And uh, in fact, pretty much halfway through the first year with the ranger, I had unlocked every single dice available or necessary for uh the people at the tower like every single possible worker die like i i think i mentioned uh, the game starts with like i think you get two at the tower that are uh, that are available to hire and then as the game unfolds through be it through uh goals uh be it through adventure cards you go on sometimes you'll get a, a thing added through that sometimes buildings will add extra dice sometimes adventures will add extra dice mm. and Pretty pretty quickly, I had unlocked everything, and it felt a bit of a waste every time I was being offered to to get extra dice. Yeah, uh, and maybe that is a problem of balance. Of there's perhaps there's too many ways of getting dice and and over, making that overly efficient. But then I think you would potentially lead to a problem of ah uh, now it's just a grind to do the thing. But for the farmer, it feels like I've got to a point where I've got enough livestock to run. The uh, equipment I've positioned in a, a sensible to me way, like not super, uh, like I'm not like sat down and, and worked out the maths of anything to like min max it properly, but like it feels efficient. I've got the, the, uh, uh, an item right in the middle of my field that whenever anything is planted next to it, it automatically gets watered. So it, it flips over and it becomes like the more valuable and more, um, be- better to sell. Yeah. Because basically, the farmer is plant a thing, water a thing, so it flips over and becomes more profitable, and then sell the thing. And the equipment for the farmer is things like, like I said, where if if a, a thing is planted, you can uh, plant it ad- adjacent to this, you can automatically water it. There's a couple of different ways of doing that, different tools. They are progressively more expensive. You've uh, then got ways of, if the harvest action is used then you can use a harvest of something that is touching this other piece of equipment. So you can start to, like, get cool chains off of things. And that, you know, that that doesn't that, that doesn't take a huge amount of thought. And yeah. also, like, I've now played through, like, four years of this game. But I've only got to the third secret envelope, giving me... That, that's, I'm guessing, or four. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing that I am, therefore, like... Three quarters of the way through the game. That that is my vague logic there. Like I haven't actually checked. Yeah. And obviously, some of those adventure cards shouldn't get flipped over because I didn't take those particular choices when choices were brought up. But it does really feel like that's it. That's the farmer kind of done. Okay. I've got more money than I know what to do with the farmer. 
to the point where even the most expensive things they can max out when they're like putting stuff into the stockpile for the whole village. Yeah. So at this point, I'm like, the I will completely retire that. I don't care that they've got like a hundred gold sitting in their personal supply. Yeah. I'm just gonna move on to a different character. The ranger, I've got to uh, a full hand limit, and they've got all five skills. It doesn't feel that there's any great need to go out and do more missions. Because I've also managed to completely build all of the buildings in the in the village that I wanted. Okay. Um, and in, if anything, like I used specifically used the last couple of missions with the ranger to go and get more wood so that I could build like make the last couple of buildings faster. And the buildings I was building were specifically ones where if you go there, you can do an event instead of doing a normal turn. Yeah. Like you. Well, I mean, it, you. It it is a normal turn. The the action is. It's a really high level building. If you go there, pay the cost. You can do an event, pull an extra event, rather yeah. than just waiting for them to potentially come up on. I think they're on about half of the weather cards, mm. so you're drawing like ten cards per year, uh, ten p- cards per season. Uh, so forty, I guess, total of those twenty will be new bits from the adventure, and that hasn't really moved fast enough to keep up with everything else in the game. So I, I, I think maybe if I had got to a point where. Like, I'm this far through the story, or, or, or like, towards, like, heading right for the end of the story, and I'd got to this point, that would feel fine. But as it is, it's like, well, now, if I'd been playing four player, I would be potentially stuck playing something very, very boring and rote, just waiting for the story to happen. Uh... Like, the end of the last season, I was just about trying to keep enough money to meet the goal for the year, and, or, or goal for the, for the season. And also just sending both of my characters constantly on on missions, mm-hmm. potentially doing three missions uh, per day, or three um, adventure events per day, meaning that I was get able to go. Okay, right, I'm getting more of the story. More of the story is unlocked. More of the story is unlocked, and that feels like kind of a waste. Uh, I definitely want to try the other characters. I am I'm fascinated by those, but I can see how playing this four player would be a Potentially a very bad idea, because okay. I think to be... Unless you were rotating those characters between you, mm. I think it could get very boring very quickly to to just go and playing this whole thing, or even to pick it up after someone else and go, ah, I, this character's already kind of solved. So the only thing that makes sense for me to do is to just keep doing the same thing. Like, I feel like maybe it needs to just go more resets. There is more to, to, to struggle against for the farmer. Yeah. Because it has a little little bit of the the overgrowth grows back but in a slightly different way, in a slightly more convenient way. But it's not enough of a struggle to not potentially within like two or three turns be back up to, to full power. Yeah. Like at one point I completely stripped out all of the fields for the farmer and started again because I'd I'd positioned some things a little bit weird. Mm. And it didn't really harm me at all. Despite the fact that when selling equipment, you have to, you uh, only get half the value of it back. Mm. Um, and even though I've got a, a, an upgrade that lets me buy equipment for half price, it is, it's not really worth it. But yeah, anyway, that that is that that is the problem I've run into. I still want to play the other two characters. I am still curious to see where the story goes because the story is fascinating. It's a beautiful world. It's really well designed. And maybe if I hadn't played the crap out of it. To just go, I want to see what happens. Uh, I, I would have better things to say for it. But um, 
And I still want to play to the end, but I'm gonna I'm gonna probably take a bit of a rest now. Because I got to that point, I was like, oh no, mm. I played the fun out of it. Oh, How no. could this happen? I waited so long for this damn thing to arrive. Um, yes, what about you? What have you played? This shouldn't take too long to talk about. I played Silent Hill, The Short Message. Oh, is it a good Silent Hill game? <laughs> is it one of the about, many great Silent about Hill games? That, about that, uh-huh. So this is a free short Silent Hill game, maybe three-ish hours long, that got released after a State of Play uh, PlayStation presentation. All right, so it's like a, a a vibe for all the upcoming Silent Hill projects they want to get us really in the mood for that and, and it's, show us that they really understand the series. It's not putting a great first film forward. <laughs> so it is a first-person game, and I'm, I'm going to give a content warning. I'm not going to get into too many specifics here, but content warning, um, uh, abuse of a child from a parent and suicide are themes in this game, so I'll just give a heads up about that before I talk about this. Uh, but the short version is, you are trapped in a looping story in a, uh, apartment building somewhere in, I think, Germany, uh, where you are playing as a girl who, the, the, the short version seems to boil down to, she was getting bullied online maybe for her art not being great and wasn't getting many likes. Uh And also, this apartment building's the cool spot where all the teen girls go to kill themselves. And uh, yeah, and she was very jealous of a friend who had lots of social media fame and was obsessed with imagery about suicide and killed herself and all her likes went up on social media. Uh-huh. And it is a game that like four or five times it'll, it, during the course of this three hour game, it brings up a full page screen to go, hey, um, th- th- call the suicide hotline if you need. This game isn't glorifying suicide. And like... I guess that's technically correct, but it does spend about 95% of its runtime doing the 13 reasons why problem of which... I've never seen that. Okay, it was a Netflix show that was like, the the premise was fundamentally, oh, all those people will, will regret their words and deeds after I've killed myself, uh, the TV show. And this is very similar. This is, okay. for a thing that like ultimately is like, hey, maybe don't kill yourself... The whole game is giving you a lot of reasons why, like, hey, here's a reason why a person might want to kill themselves and, you know, might think that's beneficial for themselves to do. Oh, I'm sure your likes and followers would go up and, oh, they'd, oh, they'd regret it if you did that. And, oh, and maybe they'd, they'd stop bullying you then. Oh, we're not, we're not glorifying it though. We're not glorifying it though. Right. Um, with a whole character whose whole thing is like, Oh, here's the symbolism of cherry blossoms. Their their branches are beautiful while they're blooming, and after they've fallen off the tree, they're still beautiful. They're beautiful in life and also when falling to death. Much like me. Uh. It's so. Where does the silent hilliness come into all so of this? The silent hilliness of this is our main character keeps trying to kill herself and then waking up back at the start of a loop. Right, and so we took. They've, they've tried to do the PT loopy thing, uh, maybe? Kind of. Um, so, like, the gist is, there's a couple of... I don't feel bad spoiling this thing. Um, there's a couple of twists, and they're all pretty fucking transparent. None of them are done in any subtlety. One is, oh, all the all the friends you're texting, they're all, all already dead. They're, they're dead already, but oh, you're getting messages from them even though they're dead. And uh-huh. one of the twists is... The first girl who killed herself 
maybe you're responsible for that because she wrote a note that might have clued a friend in that she was going to kill herself and you were jealous so you hid the note so like her friend didn't get to find out like oh shit maybe I should like step in and make sure you're okay okay so there's a, a cause for guilt there potentially yeah it's, that, that's it's, Silent Hillish yeah, yeah. Vibe, I guess. I, I'm, tra- I'm trapped with my guilt because I feel like it's my fault that you killed yourself and uh, that sort of thing there right. is a monster that is meant to be like a metaphor for the thing that the person is struggling with but I say metaphor it's the loosest fucking metaphor it's the the girl who was glorifying killing yourself kept talking about cherry blossoms so you're being chased by a monster that's made of cherry blossom branches right because that's a metaphor it's it's made of the thing that she thought was beautiful but deadly so so the monster's made of that cuz cuz it's the, the the one metaphor the game had right um also this game really fucking loves to luxuriate in just for no real reason, making you live through, like, very unfiltered parental child abuse. It The the words I used to describe it after I'd finished it were tra- traumatorism. It, and, and I think this permeates yeah. a lot of this game, is... I, I I was having conversations about this game, and I think the, the, the way that I ended up talking about it is, I love the Magnus Archives, mm. because as real as, as that horror podcast can get with some of its horror in terms of touching on very real-world themes... It always does so in a way that is abstracted enough that there is a degree of separation from you and the the very scary real feeling. Yeah, and the one time they felt like they'd even vaguely overstepped that, there was a, like a massive apology, yeah. and they never did it again. Because yeah, they they had their one time where they were like, all we did was we recreated a real thing that's traumatic, and that's not great. It was the one about police brutality and um, police uh, mistreatment and things. Yeah, it yeah, there was no supernatural element to it. It was just police brutality was happening. The, 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 I mean, from the point of view of like the, the cop maybe seemed to be a little bit uncanny and also there seemed to be yeah. like weird repetition and time jumps. But beyond that, it was like, I've been accused of something I didn't do and it's seemingly yeah. no one is going to and, defend me. And, and this is, I think, the problem that the, the short message has. Because I, I streamed this when I first played it. Yes. And the section in particular that I won't get into huge depth on here, but there is a section that I think elements of it are done effectively in a way to be unsettling. Mm-hmm. You are looping through a, a a very small apartment, which is getting more and more neglected, and you are getting smaller and smaller as a physical character in the space. I feel like I've done this game right. as, as a Minecraft man. Right, I'm, like, it's not original necessarily, but it's like... I see what they were going for, they had some choices. But what they do is they spend about 25 minutes just having a pet, like, all of the abusive things a parent is saying just get louder and louder and more intense and keep happening, and then eventually it's just you locked in the closet while abuse is shouted at, at a, at a child for a while. And I was like, Ugh. at the time I was like, it, it was uncomfortable. It was deeply uncomfortable. And someone in the chat said, well, surely that means it's a good horror story if it's if it's deeply uncomfortable, if it makes you feel really uncomfortable. I'm like, I could go find, like, a video on the dark web of someone being murdered and put it on stream. That would make you, the viewer, deeply uncomfortable. Doesn't mean One I've would told... Hope. Yeah, doesn't mean I've told a good horror story. It j- like, making someone feel, like, deeply uncomfortable is, is easy. You just replicate a real-world thing that's distressing and go, aren't you distressed? I'm like, well, kind of. You Hopefully. put a distressing thing in front of me. Um... The thing that is hard to do with horror is to do it for a reason that culminates to something in a narrative that is building for a reason that is, like, 
that is more than just replication of the act. Yes. And the, the that whole child abuse section just feels like it is replicating and not commenting. Like, uh, it, to be honest, a lot of this, from what you've told me, feels like written by people who fundamentally do not it, understand any of the things that make Silent Hill good. They were just like, it needs a monster. It needs to have a metaphor, and we'll make that as clumsy as we fucking want. Yeah. It needs that time loop, because people loved P.T. It needs uh, some some trauma. There needs to be some sort of past history of abuse or something mm. bad happening, probably to a child, and then we'll go from there. And it like gets away from the... Like starting from a position of like most of these games of I don't understand why this thing is happening to me. I have found myself in this situation, or I have responded mm. to to something. And oh, well, let's take Silent Hill too. I have responded to this very unusual thing. My wife is dead. I have received uh, a letter from her somehow, and in my mind, I have gone to this place. Yeah, and then. Throughout the course of the game, meeting people, having experiences, uncovering all sorts of stuff, and ultimately finding that it maybe, depending on your actions throughout the game, James murdered his wife, and maybe yeah. he was terrible in other ways around the situation of uh, of her being ill, and that is a whole thing to uncover and explore and sort of delicately peel back and i realize if you're trying to make a short game you maybe can't get as as into stuff as a silent hill 2 did but then like this yeah. it feels just like going what's the thing that 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 is a, like reported as, as a list of, of of trauma issues oh yeah childhood trauma cool it's, yeah i'd be traumatized yeah. listening to that kind of thing because my parents fought all the time yeah. and, and, and here's the thing i think there, there are plot threads you could have cut out of this to give you more time to spend on the core narrative. Yeah. Because I think the core narrative, like, you could have taken the, the parental child abuse narrative out entirely, and it doesn't fundamentally change anything. By far, what is clearly the main plot is this sort of cycle of suicide glorification mm. and the people left behind and the lessons they, they you know, if you're a teenager and you see suicide, you might take the wrong lessons from it. Yeah. Um, and perhaps there is, like... I think no, like I think somebody saying like, "Hey, what what is a thing that is an issue of the, of the day?" Well, like yeah. they talk all the time about the fact that children these days are on social media and all their things are seen through social media, and so much is about getting likes yes. and getting those those reactions online. Yes. There is an interesting well, story to be told yes, there. Sorry, yes, I, I was trying to get to, to that, and you keep jumping enemies lately. Um, but yes, my, my, my point I was making before is you could take the parental abuse narrative out, you'd have more room. you get away from the problem of you're trying to tell a short story and you don't have enough time to linger with things. Mm. Um, because like this game has a huge problem, particularly in its first loop, of just uh, exposition dumping at you rather than letting you like slowly world build in that way that <sighs> Silent Hill is usually good at. Um, but yeah, to, to that point you're making... Um, 100%. I think that none of the, the themes explored in this are inherently bad themes to explore. I think there is a version of this game that could exist that could be a good story told. Mm. The problem is, it needed to be, like, this is a work of art that needed to be created with a chisel, and it was created with a sledgehammer. Yeah. It, like, the end resulting problem is that none of the things that are dealt with feel like they're being dealt with respectfully. They all feel like they're just sort of set dressing for wouldn't that be traumatic anyway let's move on yeah like someone looked um, up a list of common traumas yeah but also like the other problems this has is things like because they want to have the twist 
that maybe your character is feeling guilty because she thinks she's responsible for someone's suicide. Mm. All of the insults being thrown at her through, like, the first two-thirds of the game are incredibly fucking vague and generic and, like, completely fucking toothless insults that would not in any way, like... They don't feel real as someone who has been bullied yeah. because they're like, they're not honing in on an insecurity and like bullying over a specific thing. Yeah. They're not, uh, in the, the kind of specific thing that would make someone want to kill themselves. It, it's all just like ugly, loser, um, dweeb, like, Really fucking oh, like, toothless generic shit. Uh, like late nineties um teen American uh, yeah. American teen the, movie. The, the kind of thing you'd see in like a Save by the Bell episode about bullying, not a Silent Hill game where someone's being yeah. bullied. Okay, but, Dork yeah. Master Meister. Yeah. But the oh, reason yeah. they're doing that is because they can't spoil the twist that like maybe she's imagining people saying horrible things to her because she's maybe responsible for someone killing themselves. They can't give that away, so they have to like completely sanitize any of the Things she's being bullied for, and it, it like wouldn't be that hard. No, but there's there's so many weird little things like this about the game where they're trying so hard to be clever that they are just generic as hell for a long time, and there's no real sense of tension or threat to anything happening. It feels like they ran Silent Hill through a thesaurus. And hoped for the best with everything that came out, and then just filled in other bits in the like the clumsiest, yeah. quickest, shortest. Like, do you know what the development time was on this? Um, well, we know that concept art for this game leaked, I believe, about two years ago. So it's at some had point time earlier to than that. But... Write, rewrite, yeah, make improvements. It's fun fact. Uh, this is set in it seems like Germany, which is odd because the first bit of concept art for it made everyone think we were getting a Silent Hill set in 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 the UK. Because one of the insults written on her face in the concept art was the word Minger. Oh, God, I remember that piece of yeah. art. Yeah, and that's why, yeah, people outside of the UK had to ask what a Minger was. <laughs> uh, and that was a whole thing. That that insult does not show up in the game itself. They did decide to strip out the word Minger. Um, but yeah, it's... Also, like, last very quick thoughts. This game really seems to have a bit of an axe to grind about, like... Women's mental health. Women be crazy, right? Women, women with their uncontrollable emotions. Yikes! Like it, it very specifically. How involved were Blue Team in this? Because I know they're they doing. W- they were, other. but it feels very Blue Team. It doesn't go. It's not as bad as Blue Team, but the flavor of the badness is very Blue Team. Were, were, they, were they just close enough? Because they'd been consulting on Silent Hill too. That <laughs> Konami were like, yeah, some some of the Blue Team yeah. stuff. Um, look, I'm. I'm not even exaggerating when I say the ending of this game, and I don't care about spoiling it, but the way this game ends is just, okay, I'm ready to do it, I'm ready to kill myself. Or I could go shopping, you know, that's that's a oh, shopping trip, there we go. And I'm like, in the right hands, you know, a really insignificant thing is the reason I needed to not to not kill myself today. Could be a very real thing that could be explored. I I know there's times in my life I've been like, I'll wait until that album's coming out. I'm not. I'm not going to do it yet. You know, I got, I got that to look forward. to. The second to. part of that film's coming out soon. I couldn't possibly do it before then. Right. But I am but, doing it right after I get out of but, the cinema. But the way they did. But the way they fucking did it came across just like ah, oh, women be shopping low. You know, ah, oh, a shopping trip. 
ah, oh, that fixed all my mental health problems, girl's trip. It just feels weirdly dismissive of women, this whole the All whole we needed narrative. was get in, loser, we're going shopping. Get in, loser, we're get going shopping is the thing that saves the day. And it in... wasn't even a tie into the Mean Girls musical. It's, again, could have been a good story, but all of the interesting ideas it has, it just doesn't know what to do with them. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 uh, I would be fascinated to learn more about the creation of this because it feels so fucking low effort for something that they clearly spent two years on. Uh, Although you said the environments were quite interesting. I mean, there were sometimes occasionally interesting visual environments. Oh, I didn't even talk about the worst bit of the game mechanics. Uh, toward the end of the game, there's a fucking slender the eight pages. Oh, yeah. Uh, go find the eight photographs by running around these, like, narrow... Uh, I get it. They're narrow. They're meant to be claustrophobic. They're meant to look samey, so you get lost in them because that's scary. But when you're trying to find eight photographs, well, the whole time this monster is, like, breathing down your fucking neck, if you stop moving for even a second, it's going to get you and instant kill you. So you you can't slow down enough to, like, take in the environment and work out, like... Where am I going? Where have I been? Where have I not been yet? And like, take that all in. You it's mean just fucking keep running? You mean it did the uh, the baby chasing you from uh, from Resident Evil Eight down narrow corridors with a, a horrific thing chasing you that all looks a little bit samey because it, you haven't it, had enough time to get uh, accustomed to it, and and then managed to just make it oh, boring. It, di- it dialed that up to like eleven. Yeah, yeah. This th- this really feels like something that was made by just going we're gonna have one of them and one of them like they ordered everything off the menu they put too much on their pizza and then did not fundamentally understand the concept of pizza yeah anyway what have you played <sighs> this week uh, sorry i'm gonna need a, a moment to <laughs> recover from hearing about this again uh so i played the latest freebie on epic and if you're listening to this in the early early release you might still be able to get a copy it's uh, a game called doors paradox Ooh. It's a, a series of basically puzzle boxes, and you solve the solve the puzzles, find other things, unlock a door, go through the door, follow the cat, and go to next puzzle. It is pretty simple. It, it scratches that itch of uh, like the first room game. Mm. Like I wanted a game that was like puzzle boxy and solve the thing, and even better, it was free. So yay, yay. Uh, yeah, I had a really good time with it. I think I played through the whole thing in like two sittings. I got all but two of the notes, but I did manage to get all the things that let me play all the bonus levels. So yeah, I, I had a good time with it. It was really interesting puzzles. Um, never sort of super hard. I didn't ever feel stupid, but you know, enough that I was wandering around going, hmm. It, I would say it was like, um, escape room type mm. difficulty puzzles. Just like, I need to maybe have an, another look around the environment and explore things differently. But ultimately, I had a good time with it. It was, it was a nice little brain twist for, for a few hours. I think, I think I got through it in like six hours total. And yeah, nice for a freebie. Nice to have more of that thing. Cause as much as I loved the later room games, they did step away from that. Here is a self-contained box o puzzle into now wander around all of these environments. Yeah. And I do, Kind of like that contained yeah. thing of a puzzle box. It, it, it looks nice. I, I think th- I've recently found out on, on Steam. I think the reason that that was like the big freebie and why it's currently on sale, I think, on Steam as well, is that they have just released a new game, which is also all puzzle boxes. Uh. That I think is just called Boxes. 
Um, and yeah, so that that was a good way of marketing itself. And maybe I will pick up the other one at, at some point. But yeah, good good fun puzzle boxes. What about you? What else have you played? Uh, really, it's just been more like a dragon infinite. What? Yeah, I know. Look, I have work obligations this month that are going to mean <laughs> I have to play things other than this game. I know. Uh, at least one of them is now ongoing and I, I have to be using my time on something else for a bit. But I've been trying my best to simultaneously trying to finish playing through as quickly as I can. But also, I don't want to rush it and I'm doing all of the side content and I'm being really thorough because I'm... Not going to let other work obligations prevent me from, like, really going deep in on this game. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's no point spoiling it by, by rushing through it, because you seem to have been enjoying, like, really digging yeah. into every little it's, aspect of It's the balancing act between I want to finish it before I get spoiled on it, but also I don't want to play this like a reviewer where I am, like, having to skip really interesting content because I have to finish it. Yeah. And I'm, Doing my best to resist that urge. Um, but yeah, I've put somewhere between 60 and 70 hours into it already. Um, I am absolutely fucking enamored with this game. It is yeah. great. I am absolutely fucking blown away by the scope of it. Every time I think I have a handle on how big this game is, mm. uh, there's more game to this game. Um, without spoilers, I thought I knew that uh, there was a, there's a big new map in this game. And I assumed that was probably the extent of where I would be spending my time. Fair. There's at least a few more places you spend more time than I expected. There sure That are. are more fleshed out than I expected them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many, so many diversions to get really lost in. I'm still trying to complete my Suji decks, my, like, knockoff poker decks. Um, uh, I, I've recently started delving into these, uh, randomized dungeon crawler. Uh, challenges. Um, I every time I, I talk to you about this game, you found another entire aspect of game. This feels like it's it's finally managed the the everything game way better than Roblox. Fuck you, Roblox. It it really is like, hey, we're gonna we're, the plot is gonna guide you to like a little bit of something new. Are you interested? At any time, you can come back and do like ten hours of this. It's entirely up to you. You can leave it if you're not interested, but there's like 10 hours of thing here. Off we go. And they're all differently engaging things to want to do. Um, gosh, the, I'm getting toward, I think, like the end of Act 2, start of Act 3 of the main plot. Mm-hmm. The big, the big inciting incidents are starting to, to fall into place. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can say this much without being too spoilery. Right from the start of the game, one of one of the main plot threads is find Ichiban's mother, and he's met his mother now, and events sure started occurring. Boy, after they that. sure did. Events sure did that occur. That sure was a couple of hours you had on Sunday night. Yeah, that sure did lead to a domino of things happening. Um but yeah, gosh. The, all of the like the the, the core narrative drama is so well done even when i have like been able to predict certain character turns and certain Mm. like oh i reckon that this character is responsible for this and his way even when i was proven right the quality of like the performances of those reveals was enough where i was like i'm all in i don't care that i saw it coming i and even then there was more to it than initially there's more to it than i had initially seen uh there was I could totally see how the people in the room hadn't seen certain things coming. Mm. Um, 
I'm really enjoying what has become an entire separate branch of this game, which is uh, Kiryu's gonna gonna deal with his feelings for a while. Yes. Um, there is a huge amount of this game which is just, let's just go take a... Not a stroll, let's go take a very lengthy hike down memory lane. Yes, to all of the previous games and the spin-offs. Yeah, do you, do you want to go revisit every single thing that Kiryu's ever done and, and like, work through all of his feelings as a stoic man who often didn't talk about his feelings about things and now he's got to feel his feelings about his life? Pretty much also in secret, because a lot of people shouldn't even know he's existed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all of all of that content has been really nice. It's been very nice to see Kiryu as a character drop some of the stoic facade and admit that he has worries and fears and and feelings that are important for him to find healthy ways to process. Hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. God, this 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 game's just spiraling all over the place in between silly little side content and nonsense mini games and genuinely gripping drama. And I don't want to stop playing it, and I keep not wanting to stop playing it. I, it's very rare that I want to be playing a game off stream and also streaming that game at the same time and doing two separate playthroughs of the game concurrently. Well, it gives you a chance to see things without being spoiled by chat, I guess. See, it's, it's giving me a great opportunity to see thing through, things through the lens of what I know from later mm. and see the setup of things, and it's been really interesting yeah. to like see how certain things were foreshadowed. Yes. Um... But gosh. And also, in a couple uh, of places, just seeing stuff you'd missed the first time. Indeed. Um, my goodness, I fucking love Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. It is so good. I will be shocked if this is not my game of the year. Ooh. Um, it is. I, 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 I will be impressed if another game grips me quite like this this year. Um, it is, it is everything I want out of a game. I mean, it's got Pokemon and Animal Crossing. It's got Pokemon and Animal Crossing and a big RPG. And Ichiban. And Ichiban. Ichiban's great. <laughs> we love Ichiban here. Um, yeah, uh, by maybe by the time that we next record this, I might have finished it. There's a good chance I will probably binge a lot of this next weekend. So just to just just to see it. Uh, but yeah, what about you? What else have you been playing? I'm going to briefly talk about one other thing. Yeah. Briefly because, one, it should not be spoiled for anyone. Yeah. And two, I haven't played a huge amount because I really want to play this on stream. Okay. So the game is Slay the Princess. Oh, this. Have you played any of this? I have played a bit of this. I will say nothing. So I've maybe played about an hour of this. <laughs> <laughs> and it, the, I mean, obviously the reason I picked it up is we're both huge Magnus Archives fans. Yeah. The main narrator of the game is uh, Jonathan Sims, who was the writer and main narrator for that show. And you are you, you wake and find yourself in some woods, and the narrator tells you that you have been chosen to go into this small house at the top of a hill in the middle of the woods... Where you will find in the basement of that house a princess and you have to kill her because otherwise the world is going to end. Mm. And I immediately acted like someone who has played the Stanley Pratt Parable. Yeah. And the game rewarded me gloriously. Yes. So typically, obviously, the first thing I did was I was being told to go and, and m murder this princess who I don't know anything about other than yeah. a weird voice is a appearing in my head and telling me that I need to go and kill. Yeah. 
So I was asking questions of the narrator. And it's weird that you, you as the character can interact with the narrator. Yeah. And before too long, I, I had a new voice, which felt very much like uh, the... I, I've not played Disco Elysium, but it felt like yeah. it was scratching that itch of... Because the first voice was voice of the hero. Yes. It's still voiced by Jonathan Sims, but it's he's doing a different voice and he's talking about like, yeah, well, we're, we're, you know, we're, we, it's important that we sort of ask the right questions and understand what we're doing and why. But I was like, no, I'm not going to just kill this because some nebulous yeah. voice. I, I think Disco Elysium is a great point of reference for this. Yeah. So I was like, no, I'm not going to go and do this. I'm, I'm leaving. So I left, and as I wandered through the forest, I'm only going to talk about this one particular loop. I wandered through the forest, and I uh, was sort of taken mysteriously back to the cottage. And at this point, I had another voice. I now had the voice of the contrarian. <laughs> also Jonathan Sims, also a different voice. I was like, I, okay, maybe I can see what's going on here. Cool, I still don't want to go and murder this person. Hmm. For for a number of reasons. I don't know them, I don't know anything about them, and I don't trust this narrator, because the narrator has lied to me a couple of times. Yeah. So I turn around, and before I know it, the world is fracturing mm-hmm. into, like, like, a broken mirror. There are houses everywhere, there are hills everywhere, and maybe some of the houses look different, and maybe maybe they don't. But eventually everything goes black. And the next thing I know, I am standing back in the place where I started the game. But now in the distance, in the background, there is a wall. A big brick wall. A huge brick wall. Yeah. The the narrator is acknowledging, hey, brick wall. Well, it's so that people can't get in trouble. And the narrator's being like, I don't know what you're talking about. This is the first time you've been here. Nothing's happened. Voice of the contrarian and voice of the hero are both like, what? How, why doesn't? Why doesn't he understand? Why doesn't he know? We, we know. How do we still have the, the thing? What, what, what's going on? <laughs> well, you need to go into the house. Okay, fine. Since we can't go anywhere else, we need to go into the house. Cool. In the house, which is was described in multiple ways at once. Yeah. And f- only one or two of them even vaguely represented what I was actually seeing in there. One of the things in the room wasn't described. Mm. And I was like, but what about the thing? What about, what about that object over there? And the hero was like, yeah, that object over there. And the narrator was like, there's nothing there. Don't, don't, don't go and look at it. You can't go and look at it. And then I went over and looked at it. And the closer, as soon as I got close to it, it just vanished. And the narrator was like, see, I told you it wasn't there. It's, oh. And I, I, I went down the stairs, but the stairs had all fractured. And then maybe I had my entire psyche ripped apart and found myself... In a room with a princess changed to a wall, we had a conversation that I will obviously not spoil, and I found myself in a different place, which I will not spoil. I had the most fascinating and meta conversation, and then the game went, okay, and shut down. And the game closed, and I went, I'm not going to touch that again until I can do this on stream, but that was absolutely marvellous. It is a... Fascinating little thing, that game. <laughs> I will say nothing about have it. Have you finished it? I I have. Okay. And I, I, Did it take long? Uh, I'm not having to remember how long <laughs> it took. I'm bad at N amount of time. N amount of time. Mm-hmm. It is a heck of a thing. It is. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't... 
I don't know what could be more fantastic than what I've already seen, but I am fascinated to go and see it and... Like, I am, I'm usually very anti this kind of game, but I appreciate the fact that it's all voiced and has a decent number of, um, accessibility options, including, uh, like a text to speech for your own personal voice if you want your, uh, options read to you from, yeah. from the, uh, selection menu, which is nice. Um, you've got you some UI options. There is some weirdness with trying to run it in full screen. But apart from that, like, I've, mm. I've had no, no bad times with it. Uh, the hand drawn art style is fascinating. And I am just, I have so many questions about what all of this <laughs> is, was, could be, will be, and, and what any of that means. Uh, what about you? Have you played anything else? Uh, I'm double checking, but I don't think so. Or at least nothing else I can talk about this week because work stuff, but that's the main things. I played. I played that Silent Hill. It wasn't great. I went straight back to playing Infinite Wealth. What about you? You play. You play anything Just else? Just a little sorbet of Infinite Wealth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you? You played anything else? No, that's about it for me. Well then, time for this. Milo, do you have a human? Yeah. Do you find that sometimes you want something from your human, but your human does not immediately understand what you want? Because humans are not very smart. Well, that's okay. I have developed a one-step foolproof plan to make sure the humans do exactly what you want every time. Introducing a loud, prolonged, modulating yowl that goes on and on and on and on and on until the humans work it out. Like that, but louder and louder and more aggressive. And exactly, exactly, really, you really have to get into it. Exactly. Right. And now you get a dreamy. Morning dreamies are not guaranteed. Your dreamies may go up as well as down. Have you got ADHD? Yeah! Are you somehow struggling to get your medication? Don't worry, we've got a bag of mushrooms. What? A bag of mushrooms. Would you like a bag of mushrooms? It's revolutionary. We've made it into a powder and you can turn it into a drink. Imagine drinking mushrooms. I bet you've never done that before. What? A little bit of lemon juice, a little bit of honey. Mm, I bet you've never done that before. A bag of mushrooms is great for your ADHD. It's not my meds. Well, no, you don't have to worry about that anymore because we've got all of these people who we definitely didn't pay who have been willing to say... For money, uh, that they have been sleeping better, having more attention, and they don't need their drugs anymore. They don't need their drugs anymore. They don't need their drugs anymore because they have our mushroom powder bags with new age medicine type names like sleepy powder or awakey powder or focus powder. It's all mushrooms in a bag, crunched up mushrooms in a bag, and it's not even the fun kinds of mushrooms. Mushroom powder, try our mushroom powder today. Brand mushroom powder. So, what have you put in your eyes? I put a few things in my eyes this week. Uh, Where to start? Where to start? Um, I can get this one out of the way nice and quickly. I watched a recorded version of the the stage musical Kinky Boots. Oh. I I watched a a recorded version of the Kinky Boots musical. Uh, For anyone who's unaware, the vague plot is uh, Shoe Shop is going out of business, uh, revitalizes business by making high heels for drag queens. Uh, reinvents how to do the heel in a way that will, you know, stand up to some. some you need wear to steal a shank. Exactly. That's the gist of it. The plot is pretty, pretty basic. Um, a little bit transphobic at one I, point. I'll, I'll give me a second to get there. Um, 
So look, big picture, it's a musical of two halves. The first half, I would say, is fine. It is serviceable, it is... There's nothing bad about it, per se. The first half is just sort of... It's just sort of fine musical fare. Um, a lot of the musical numbers feel like they're there to have musical numbers to fill out the musical. The first half... Like, I'm pretty sure the first half has three separate musical numbers that all boil down to... Shoes are pretty good, right? Oh my god, shoes. Oh my god, shoes. It's... It's... The first half is nothing special. It's nothing to write home about. The second half, the second act... Is why I can I that's the half that makes me go I see why this is kind of beloved. The second half really ramps things up and is quite special. I think its its latter half is good enough to justify a kind of fine first half. What I do want to talk about very briefly, as you kind of alluded to, is simultaneously this musical made me feel two different ways. The first one. Is it, you know, gave me this real feeling of, hey, as a trans woman, there's honestly, like, a lot of overlap between our experiences and experiences of, dra- uh, of, of drag queens. And, like, you know, maybe there is a lot of room for finding common ground in terms of the the things that, that, that we have in common rather than necessarily the things that, that separate our experiences. There were some musical numbers where I was like, this is not about my experience, but I can certainly empathize with a lot of what is going on here. Mm. This is very beautifully done. Um... You know, a lot of the struggle being represented of person presenting femme using, you know, she, her pronouns in a space where there is aggression towards that is very understandable. And the pressures of having to sort of masculine yourself up for safety, all very relatable. I can simultaneously feel that way and also go, moments into this musical, it reminded me why I will always be fucking cautious of drag queens. Mm. And... Like, hashtag not all drag queens, whatever. Um, the, the first fucking interaction we get with the drag queens in, with the main drag queen in this is what's, basically, what's the difference between a trans woman and a drag queen? Well, a drag queen will, you know, get dressed up and look fabulous like Cleopatra. Uh, a trans woman will, you know, get dressed up and look like Winston Churchill in a bad frock. And it's like, Wow, fuck you, Bitman. It's that kind of, like, little jab. That little sort of jab of superiority that's like, I know this is not all all people in drag, but it is a very common experience I have with people that do drag. And I'm always, like, a bit fucking cautious of cis people who do drag can be a bit like that sometimes. Yes. Especially white cis people who do drag. Because the the artist drag, I know, I know, I know this film specifically, and and I have also a very weird thing with this film. Yeah. Because we talked about the fact that like you you asked me I think before you went if I knew anything about it, and I realised I knew a lot more than I thought I did, Mm. and the reason was shortly after I came out way back in two thousand and ten, the person who I was spending a lot of my evenings. Um, just hanging out with watching films and mainly looking after their kid for them, uh, was using old style Netflix where you'd get DVDs through the post. Oh, yeah. And like, it was like a, a, an attempt to be like, hey, I, I'm t- trying to show you that it's all okay <laughs> that you're a girl now. We're going to rank kinky boots. And I was, I didn't really get on with it at all, even when it wasn't a musical. Um, yeah, it's, it, it it's, I I understand and like yeah I agree yeah there are things that you know we we will find simultaneously useful 
maybe a bra with a wider wider back and not necessarily a massive cup size. Yeah. And maybe a, a more sturdy high-heeled shoe if you are someone who doesn't already feel terribly anxious about the fact that you're perhaps over six foot tall and and wouldn't necessarily want to draw more attention to yourself by wearing high heel shoes. Also, someone like me who has ankles that are fucked and cannot wear anything nearly that dangerous. Like, I, yeah, I get it, but also the correct answer to what's the difference between a drag queen and a trans woman is a drag queen would probably never own a grey bra. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't, like, I don't fundamentally think, like, I can see what the comparison is trying to get at, but like, and again, wasn't enough for me to not enjoy my time with the, with, with the musical. I thought, I, I, I generally enjoyed my time with it. So unnecessary. But it, it, again, unnecessary. My, my, my main thought is the second half is a very strong musical. The first half, very mediocre musical. It really, it feels like the two, the two acts of this musical were written by entirely different people who had entirely different skill levels at musical writing. I don't think it helps that. As far as I remember, the first half of that film is pretty slow and it's trying to do the whole small village, small minds type people. And here is not only someone who is black, but someone who is black and gender gender fuckery is occurring. I mean, the the problem is they... There is not a huge amount of events that happen in that film's narrative to begin with. Mm. And when you're trying to make a musical out of that, the problem is they put all of the events that like have real narrative momentum in the second act. The first act is very milling around. And milling around is not a great energy for a musical no. because musicals thrive on uh, songs that are propelling the events. And without enough events to propel, you have you have... Musical numbers that spin their wheels. And that is the last thing you want, is for a musical number to feel like it's not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, and they're not bad musical numbers, they're just bad musical numbers that sort of spin in place. Mm. Um, yeah, the second half of it was was pretty fab. But... Drive us forward, Dad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I saw that. Uh, what, what about you? What have you been watching this week? Watched a couple of things. Mainly, mainly been on the YouTube this week. Haven't had a huge amount of time for sort of general junk watching because my 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 usual general junk watching time has been watch Laura play through uh, like a dragon because it's a fascinating story yeah. uh, but I did want to talk about a couple of things I wanted to talk about uh, over on the outside Xbox channel the worst way to play Mario Kart oh this this is a, a them playing a mod for the original Mario Kart on the on the SNES that rather than doing third person behind the cart view is a like a like a race recap uh, replay view of like flicking cameras mm-hmm. maybe slightly classic resident evil style and it just feels like an absolute nightmare like why why did you do this friend uh, why why did you create something clearly designed to torture people i mean obviously for for the memes and the the lols and Playing it in groups with friends and just going, what the fuck? How do I even do this? And I think the split screen makes it even worse. Because it's just like, how? I've got so little view. I don't know which way my character is facing. The only way I know when I'm going the wrong way is when Lakitu comes down with the big rig cross flag. (laughs) And I have to hope for the best. That is a fascinating video and a fascinating concept. And well done to the creator of that mod. You are an evil genius. 
delight in in all that you create now as random content creators online now try to play it for 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 views and the amusement of uh, of their viewers yeah i also watched the uh a video from last week tonight yeah. with john oliver uh a history of chuck e cheese the last squeak tonight with john oliver yeah. web exclusive and this was the, I think it was originally on the Elon Musk episode. It, he did a whole episode about Elon Musk. was like, yeah, but for any, oh no, it was home ownership, wasn't it? It was the yeah. HOA episode. It, it was something very America specific. And they were like, look, this is not going to apply to you. Here's an episode about Chuck E. Cheese to learn about. It, it was it was the HOA episode yeah. because it was like nobody under 35 is ever going to own a home of their <laughs> own. So here's the thing you might be interested in. It was the history of Chuck E. Cheese and... Boy, that whole thing was fascinating. <laughs> Going from uh, Nolan Bushnell, the Atari guy, creator of or, or creator of all of the Pongs, so many Pongs, like eight different versions of Pong, um, to let's get some animatronics and uh, a basically a, a comedy roast from a rat <laughs> that they'd originally hoped that they'd originally ordered a coyote. It turned out to be a rat. But they didn't. They didn't want to call it a rat, so it's Charles Entertainment Cheese, and then them getting bought out by an entirely different company who did like full body animatronics rather than just like creatures lashed to the walls, and then talking about like the the way that they repurposed like a lot of the old animatronics and like refit them for the new style. And, and the horror of looking at a skinned animatronic rat <laughs> and other characters. Uh, yeah, it was it was a fascinating like twenty twenty five minute documentary about Chuck E. Cheese, which is just this weird nebulous thing that you sort of hear, but we've never had anything quite that bizarre in the UK. I mean, we've had some weird shit, but yeah. we didn't have that money for animatronics, as far as I'm aware. And yeah, like we we had a happy eater where you might slip over on the grease, and the logo was a puking Pac Man. But like, I'd, we've never had anything quite like that, and it is it, it is a bizarre experience. And hearing Nolan Bushnell talk about the concept behind it, and like, oh yes, from from the very dawn of time, there has always been entertainment with meals, <laughs> such as such as the, the the Romans enjoying their wine as a gladiatorial combat. Like you are so up yourself, but it was the eighties, uh, and there was an awful lot of cocaine flying around. <laughs> Uh, what about you? Have you watched anything else? I watched a couple of other things. Um, I saw a film at the cinema. A film? I, I saw Argyle. Oh, yes. Argyle. Um, a film which, fun, fun fact, apparently the, the plot, the, the twists of that film all got spoiled in a press release on a movie website, uh, like four years ago. Uh, the, 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 all of the twists got revealed in one, like, blog post about the film, like, four years before it came out. Which is okay. weird, weirdly fascinating to learn in hindsight. Um, but yeah, the general- It feels like they had time to, to correct that. <laughs> no, they were like, no, this is the story, we're just gonna fucking do it. But the, the gist is, uh, there was this woman, she's writing a series of, uh, sort of spy thriller fiction stories, yeah. and she ends up getting embroiled in some real world spy shit going on because they're like, hey, your books that you're writing, your fiction books, 
are very, 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 very similar to real-world spy shit going on right now in the real world, and either you know some shit you shouldn't know, and we need to know how you know it, or somehow you just have a real good brain for no, like, thinking about this in the way of, like, that the, these real things work out. We need to know what the fuck's going on with you. Sp- you have spy- become a person of interest. Yeah, spice shit starts going on around her. Cube chaos. Um, yes. Because the, the adverts made it look a bit like, um, what was the thing with Will Ferrell? Was it while he was sleeping? Something like that? Oh, yeah. I can't, it's, rem- can't remember. It's so, it's, it's an interesting film, because I don't want to... I don't want to talk too much about its specifics, because it has a couple of turns in it that I think are interesting. But what I think this film does well is it sets up a premise that feels like it's going to be very much things happening around this woman. Right. That she's going to get sort of dragged along on this adventure that she was not quite prepared for. Mm -hmm. I think they do a good job of giving her a lot more agency in that narrative premise than I expected, Hmm. where she is a lot more a part of the goings-on of what ends up unfolding with the spy ship. Um, I think they do some really, really interesting stuff with casting of characters. Hmm. Um, One thing I think is is okay and not too much of a spoiler to talk about is she has a vision in her head of the lead character from her books. The vision in her head is Henry Cavill. Right. And she ends up meeting basically the real-life version of, like, the stories she's been writing, and initially it's this disheveled man who looks kind of like a homeless man with, like, very scraggly hair and facial hair that's not very trimmed. Very much a, hey, I'm a spy, I need people not to pay attention to me, I'm someone they don't want to look at. Um, But there's, like, to not talk too much about it, there's an early fight scene where there are very smart use of camera cuts to cut between the actual spy that's doing the fighting and, what and the imagined version of Henry Cavill in the fight scene right. back and forth and her sort of struggling with the reality versus the idealised dream in one fight sequence. Hmm. And, like, that's fucking glorious. Hmm. Um, I think that this film... I think this film lands its twists very well. I think it is. I think it is very funny. I think it's very sweet. I think it... It goes very fast for a film that's like two and a half, you know, coming up on three hours. It doesn't feel that long. And it does a really good job of feeling like it has multiple acts it goes through. Mm. Um, I was not ready for where it would build to, but it had several, like, I should have seen them coming. They should have been obvious. But when they happened, I went, oh my God. ah." (laughs) Like, it was very good at delivering those. Those moments that whether you see them coming or not still feel really cool when they pay off. Because this is by the same one of the well, one of the same writers. I can't remember how many were involved as Kingsman. Right? Yes, and if you stick around for the post credits, that will be incredibly fucking obvious. But uh, <laughs> um, yes, it's very clear this is made by uh, like at least one of the people behind Kingsman, and a lot Does it of managed the fun of Kingsman. Yes, it manages the fun of Kingsman, but it. I think I think this sets up. I, uh, I can't say too much without <laughs> getting into what I really love about it, but I think it does a great job of being a few separate stories that all become one bigger story in a very clever way, while just being just being a fun sort of spy action film that is clearly made... It's clearly designed to be for women without feeling pandering in how it's done. It mm. doesn't feel... it. It it feels like a film that I very much enjoyed the ways that it catered to 
you know, female viewers without feeling like that was its entire identity. Mm. Um, I very much enjoyed it. I finished watching it and went, I could really go for rewatching that. I could go right back and rewatch it. <laughs> but I think the most important question that everyone will be curious about is, is the cat okay? Do, do you want to know? Wow, is that a big twist? I, I mean, the, I, uh, no, 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 don't hurt a kitty. I, I mean, it's in a little backpack. It's I on mean, a window. <laughs> there are moments where the cat's fate is is up in the air, and I wouldn't want to say whether the cat's okay. No, no, no. He's fine. Okay, you're gonna be okay. Okay, you're gonna be okay. I'm glad the cat's, worry, okay. The cat's gonna be okay. Even if it's he's CG, like, gonna be okay. <laughs> it is CG, but it is an endearing cat. It, it looked fun in the trailers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, it, like, it's, it kind, it's kind of stupid. I'm not going to say that this is like the height of a very intelligent cinema, <laughs> but I had a hell of a lot of fun with it. I mean, I think that's certainly like in the last year or so, that is something I have really needed from cinema. Yeah. Like, I don't necessarily want the greatest film. Yeah. But what I want is something that's at least fun yeah. and not like up itself or needing like tons of homework or a good it's... memory for other content. Yeah. This just something that's fun and silly and it... maybe f- nice to look at. If you want a film that's fun and silly and colorful and will have a couple of times you go in, oh, sh- oh shit. Oh, oh, that's going to do a thing. Like just silly little twists that you get to go, ooh, oh, oh, that's, oh, that's a thing you did. Yeah, it, I mean, if it can be a good movie as well, I mean, yeah. then I guess we'll be watching the the first Knives Out. But like, the, like I, that at least also had a good amount of fun and silly. Yeah, I think you'd enjoy this. I think we should we should go and I'm up see for that. it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You watched anything else, or should I talk about the other thing I've watched? Talk about the other thing you've watched. So I was doing some work stuff today, and I needed something on in the, in the background to keep myself entertained, and I watched season one of Has Been Hotel. Oh, wow. Because... This um, has been showing up a lot on your TikTok. Yeah, my TikTok has been absolutely swarming me with musical numbers from it, and as someone that, like, has a bit of a musical theatre, you know, leaning, but also has some fucking, you know, queer religious trauma, some of the musical numbers have been kind of appealing to me, and I've been okay. like, okay, let's let's give this a go. So, this is an eight-episode animated series where the, the gist of it is, um, Hell once a year, gets invaded by heaven who go and cull a significant portion of hell's population in an extermination. Basically, hell's getting too full, it's getting too busy, uh, that's the excuse given. Numbers need to be cut, angels come down and just start murdering, like, I, I think the, the, the one that happens at the start of the season is, like, one in eight people in hell is just killed in this, this culling. Okay. And there is, um... I believe it's the daughter of Lucifer, is trying to create a hotel whose purpose will be to redeem people so that they can make it to heaven. Basically trying to... Proof proof of concept, you don't need to go and kill off portions of hell. People from hell could ascend to heaven, and that could be a way to deal with the overpopulation problem. Right. And very quickly, it becomes apparent that... There is very little interest in this plan from heaven because uh, at least the first few people that get interacted with from heaven really fucking enjoy murdering sinners, right? uh, get a lot of joy out of it, and have no interest in hearing an alternative plan. Uh, Like, you spend a lot of time early on with Adam from the Garden of Eden, who is very fucking up himself about being the first human who ever got into heaven and gets all high and mighty about himself as a result. Right. 
But it is generally the story of this group of misfits in hell trying to prove that it is possible to become better in a way that could earn your way out of hell. Mm. And dealing with the dynamics of why heaven might not be on board with this. Um, I think that this show is really, really, really good at points with caveats and issues. Um, to get some of the caveats and issues out of the way, it is a bit all over the place pacing-wise. Right. Um, at times it's going a mile a fucking minute, not giving itself room to breathe. At times mm-hmm. it lingers in scenes longer than it maybe needs to. Right. If I was going to give one biggest complaint about season one's like pacing and, and focus, very little time is ultimately spent on what I think is the most interesting aspect, which is the attempting to redeem people in a way where they can go to he- uh, to heaven. Right. Like, the concept of the hotel gets very little time. A lot of this first season is world building and character establishing and establishing, like, the various factions at play and character se- character-based scenes. And it's all very interesting, but it's things that feel like there's not enough time sat with the core concept. Right. Um... The other biggest issue I have with this, and it's not enough that I would say this isn't worth watching, but it is an adult comedy. And as such, there are times where it's, a, you know, it's not up there with, like, Big Mouth in terms of, like, you know, cheap, lowbrow, uh, rude jokes for the sake of rude jokes uh, sort of humour. It's not on that level, but it's occasionally... It's rude, but not mature. Uh... The thing is, I think, I think generally speaking, it's fine because the humor fits the setting because they are leaning very much into we are a bunch of sinners in hell and there is a degree of this is just the culture here and it's never at the expense of any minority groups. It's never hurtful. It's a little just cheap and gross in places and like it's not a lot, but it occasionally happens. But I think the reason I think that's important to bring up is this as a show, tries to deal with some quite intense real-world topics. Right. And on occasion, it undercuts itself a little bit. And I want to talk in a little bit of specifics about one character that I think exemplifies both the best and the worst of what this show does, which is a character called Angel Dust, who the short version is... Uh, they, they are a, a, a porn, a porn actor in hell who is in a, uh, uh, an abusive relationship they cannot get out of. They are, they are contractually stuck in a situation. Um, they made it, they made a deal in hell and are stuck where they are and are trying to sort of project a very confident persona because that is the thing holding them together. Right. In a very bad situation. They're a, they're a lovely character and, I think, like, some of the peak of what this show does really well is exploring that character and exploring how difficult it can be to be trapped in an abusive situation and try and put on that brave face of, I I don't want my friends and the people I love to see me as nothing more than the abuse I'm going through. I don't want the things that I'm struggling with out there to be what you see me as. I don't want you to see me and feel pity. And I think that a lot of that is really interestingly explored. But also, the show often just can't help kind of sexualizing and, like, at, 
as a bit of a joke, sexualizing the character who is a victim of pretty bad domestic and sexual abuse. Hmm. And it's not hugely common, but... And it's played off as it's played off as laughs, and it generally occurs before you know the extent of what's going on. But it feels like it undercuts the seriousness of what they're doing. Yeah. Because when they're being serious about it, they are fucking impeccable in how they 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 convey it. I think like mm. it is very respectfully done in a way that is like really quite moving. And then like just one little rude joke will happen at the wrong moment in the wrong way and go. It it just kind of feels like you're not mature enough to play with with the the situation. You mm. like you've done this, the 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 there's one episode in particular incredibly well done. Doesn't always feel like the rest of the wider narrative respects that episode and what it is. Right. Um. And it's not a huge problem, but it is a eternally a little bit of a problem with this show. Mm. Is it has some really good moments of genuine insight into like as someone that grew up within christianity there there are some questions that i had growing up in the church that this does a great job of addressing in terms of like hey if you know i i i, I don't know how much of this to even get into um there are some interesting bib- biblical questions that are addressed in very interesting ways and there are some musical numbers in particular that are very satisfying in how they take certain aspects of Christianity to task in a very direct and theologically sound way. But again, you'll you'll then have it undercut with like a, a cheap joke that just the the thing it kept making me think of, and this is gonna be a weird comparison, was Alan Wake 2. And the way that that game occasionally did like very effective, unsettling, tense, well-paced scenes, and then did a jump scare right after and just like kinda didn't give you that room yeah. to breathe. It's that very effective command of tone, but then failing to understand that the thing they do right after is going to undercut that tone. Hmm. If that makes sense. Like a bad writer's room, or like one person in the it's, writer's room had too much power. It The the thing is, it feels mostly like there was a... Compi- it feels like too many cooks. It feels like there were some very Comedy talented... by committee. It feels like there were some very talented people in that room who knew how to write serious drama very well. Definitely some people who knew how to write musical numbers very well. Like, there's a lot of very good Broadway, like, um, leading Broadway, uh, musical actors in this. Mm. Uh, but, like, the dramatic scenes were one group at the table, the musical numbers were one group at the table, and the, the, the rest of the comedy was one group at the table, and, like, they don't always mesh in their aims. I have to wonder, given the time that we are now, when, if this was something that maybe started getting written in its current form during COVID, and that maybe those parties were a bit disconnected and it's... that would be a thing. Because I, I seem to remember one of the TikToks you were talking about was, um, or one of the TikToks that was on, I think, maybe even this morning, they were talking about the fact that a, a theme of one of the characters mm. from an original, I'm guessing, like a, a pilot or something that yeah. was created had shown up in the final version of the show with that character or, or uh, the current version of that character a couple of times and that that was nice a nice callback. And I'm wondering if s- some of the issues isn't just the case of maybe the the group were a little bit disconnected it, because of things. It, it feels like the show wanted to be a few things at once mm. and those things don't always gel. I don't think it's a bad show by any means. I think there are some 
very good scenes, some very good episodes. I think there are some very good moments. I think it is inconsistent. And the moments where it lets itself down are mainly where it's... It undercuts the things it does best. It It is not consistent in its strongest moments. And, like, that alongside a pacing that doesn't always know what it's doing. Mm. It is It is a show that at times I was absolutely enjoying. And at other times was just sort of trying to keep up with. Right. Um... I hope it. I kind of hope it gets a second season. I'd be very Hopefully interested. Hopefully, it will to settle s- down for I, that. It feels a little bit like Lower Decks. First season of Lower Decks. It's, yeah. it's got a little first season Lower Decks where I'm like, I really hope you get that second season and you take on board properly what people liked and what you need to work on. Because mm. I think a second season of this could be very interesting with feedback taken on board. Um, I'll probably talk in the listened a little bit about some of the musical numbers, but. Yeah, there there are moments I thought this where I was like this show is very special, and moments where I'm like, you're sure you're sure doing a lot of things at once here. Mm. How uh, many episodes is it? Uh, eight episodes. Okay. They're like twenty to thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. It's not hugely long. Um, it's I think it is worth a watch with those caveats in mind. Um, but yeah, what about you? You watched anything else? Ah, uh, we finished watching Echo. Did we? Did we not have apparently that was left? it? Apparently that was it. Oh, five ended- episode weird number, but that that's apparently it, it, it. ended very suddenly, didn't it? It did end so very suddenly. Um, it it really felt like ah the 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 powers have been unlocked that that will be the focus of the final episode, and then uh huh, it had real like middle of something energy, which is obviously a big problem with the MCU anyway. But it felt like we've we taken this character from that we'd previously seen in Hawkeye, the the series, and we've gone. We're gonna do a little side story. We're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, like kingpin stuff. We're gonna do some like small town stuff. We're gonna have some like really interesting ideas. But it all ultimately because of where it finishes just feels like setup for something else. It I think it would have felt like a more complete story had there not been powers. Maybe. I think if this had just been a street level story of like this character and her interactions with the people that she's interacting with, I think that would have felt more complete. I think it's because it ends on and powers are unlocked and now it's over. Feels really weird. Yeah. It yeah. There's 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 a lot I wanted to like about it. Oh yeah. Um it it gave us a lot of room for interesting discussion. Um without going into too many spoilers. We had some very interesting discussions about Kingpin and his uh, reluctance to learn sign language and uh, the some of the steps he uses to avoid that in certain ways. Yeah. And the, some of the ways that, like, the sign language interpreter present in some of the scenes with Kingpin was deprioritized and how that was an interesting choice shooting-wise. Yes. Um, like, there's interesting things to say about Echo. Yeah. While... You kind of walked away going, did did much really happen? Yeah, and also, does the powers thing, is it going to do that typical superhero thing of, oh yeah, don't worry, we've completely removed the disability because powers now. And obviously that remains to be seen. But I mean, there sure was a piece of tech introduced that seemed like it was going to go, and now we don't have to worry about her disability. Yeah. Yeah. Which, again, we had questions about the implementation of that tech and yes. how that lines up with sign language. And, like, um, I can't remember what, the mouth shapes, the, the like, the, um... Uh, expressions. Uh, 
There's a particular word I'm looking for, but I cannot find it right now. But yes, like the specific thing of like, yes, the expressions thing. Um, obviously, I don't know much about ASL. I'm, I've done a bit of BSL and obviously some facial stuff does come into when you're talking about like scale of things, emotions yeah. of things. Um, to go, we have this sort of automatic translate thing. How does that work when that the person being translated is not facing... Still not and it's facing only the translating the hands and not like an associated facial expression. Yeah, yeah. It there's a lot of interesting stuff to say about it while also going. I feel like very little happened. Yeah, I only had five episodes, so I guess yeah. there wasn't a lot of room yeah, for but, to happen. But there wasn't it, the pacing of it felt like it was taking its time to build up to a finale where lots of things yeah. would happen. Are we is like an Echo movie on the the slate? Not that I'm aware of, but. I don't know. It feels like a really odd choice because of of all the times Marvel has been accused of, like, you need to understand all of the previous films for this one to make sense. Like, I saw someone talking about all the things you technically needed to have seen in order for the Marvels to make sense. And I was like, when you put it like that, yeah, I guess so. I've just had a lot of free time over the last however many years all of these things have kind of been happening. And, you know, and an interest specifically in a couple of them, uh, the characters from um, comic books. Whereas with this, I went, I don't really know Echo. I said definitely don't know Hawkeye. I know very little about Kingpin apart from uh, appearing in uh, Spider-Verse. And, like, I think the Spider-Man cartoon or one of the Marvel cartoons from my youth. But, like, this, more than anything I've, I've watched of theirs in a while just felt like homework for whatever movie or other thing that Echo is then supposed to show up in. Which is a shame, because they had some interesting ideas, they had some interesting characters, they seemed to be trying something uh, unusual that I was curious about. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Sure. Yeah. Fine. Uh, Have you watched anything else? Yeah, that's it for me, really. Well then, time for this. Hey, Laura. Yes? We've got a new sponsor. Who's our new sponsor? Well, do you like mildly suggestive anime images? Uh, I mean, maybe. I'm not opposed to them, I guess. Would you like to see, but also have worked to have seen, some cute anime protagonists? I mean... I feel with like unlikely I just, hair colours. I feel like I could just go and Google images and see it without having to work to do work. But wouldn't you feel better if you'd just done a little bit of work? I don't know. Would I? Who's the sponsor? What is this? This week's sponsor is Porn Pong 8. It's the newest way to unlock mildly suggestive images of anime girls by winning at the oldest possible video game, Plus One. Ah, so I play Pong and then unveil a square of anime girl, I don't know, with like a skirt lifted slightly up so you can see the knee. Ooh. Ooh. Saucy. Ooh. Ooh, I won that game of Pong and now I get to see anime girl doing a little bit of a wink. A wink? Yeah, a sort of suggestive wink at the camera. A suggestive wink? Yeah. Oh, you know what that wink's suggesting? Dirty stuff. Oh. D- it's dirty stuff. I was going to say, autistic, no. Actually, no, I don't understand it's, what that means. It's, it's a sexy wing. I, it's, I, in, it's in a porn game. I get it's, that something's being suggested, I just don't necessarily it's understand. It's a, it's, it's a porn game. It's oh, it's suggesting a porn game. wink. 
Wink. Do a sex. There might be less pants in my next picture <gasps> oh. if you play a good enough pong. If you eight pong pong, if eight. you play a good enough pong, I might take off my tights. Oh, you might get to see my feet. It's I'll exactly the toes. same sprite, but it's got less of that fuzzy overlay over the top that Ooh. makes it look like tights. So I guess that saves on animation budget and such. We sort of just did a naked picture and then put clothing layers on top of it we could delete later. Like a paper doll. Exactly. So that's pornbook8.lol.net. Enter code Q and PS293 and you can get uh, some hard to reach porn. For 69% off. Ooh, nice, 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 Inside the boardroom of Supremacy Software. Hi. Hi. So, uh, I'd be working on ways we can make more money. I love money. Right, right. Uh, I haven't run this by any of the, you know, like the, the boffin types, but right. I, I can't see a problem with it. So, They'll work you know, it out. We've, we've got all these, you know, exclusive games that only we sell on our machine, you know. Oozing exclusives. Exactly. And we've got those. And that's great because, you know, people buy the box and get the exclusives. But right. That also means there are people we're not selling the games to. Right. Because they have other boxes. Right. Why are they not buying our box? Because, you know... Have we not incited enough tribalism? Apparently not. Apparently the tribalism works both ways and they've also been tribalisming their box. Wow. So, my thorn. Right. And, and I, like, I, I say, as I said, I've not run this by the boffins, but I don't see where they'd be a problem. Uh, we just start selling our games on the other box. Because then that's more copies sold and then that's more money for us. Right. I, I see no problem with this, so I might have already hit go on the button that makes that happen. Yeah, good. I mean, they, the faster you do that, the faster we make more yeah. money, right? Uh, I haven't checked my emails uh, in, the, in like the last half hour, but uh, right. oh, oh my, oh my, oh my god, we got so much money, right? So much money. Um, do you want the short term or the long term? Uh short term. That's uh, all money I go about. up. Money go up. Excellent. Uh, perfect. Long, perfect. Yeah, but console console money go down. We're, um, right. because because the things aren't exclusive anymore, so everyone's right. a bit feeling like they bought the wrong box. But our box. Okay, 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 okay. I think I've got a fix. I think I've got a fix. We can undo this. Um, those games we just sold on the other box aren't exclusive, but all of their sequels still are. So people will have to come to us. Yeah, exactly. Did you enjoy that game that we the sold you? Is free. Now you've got to come get the box. To play the sequel, it saved it. I, I think, I think I, uh, we can make it seem like that was the plan all along, right? The first taste is free, and the then... first, the first taste is sixty nine ninety nine on oh, your yeah. box. Yeah, yeah, and then it's another sixty nine or two hundred dollars a year for the subscription service. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. And unless you want to get any of our games five years yeah, earlier, in it was, which case is another forty yeah. bucks. Uh, d- yeah, there's a deliberate plan to bring more people to the box for the exclusives, and it wasn't me just being short-sighted and putting everything on the other boxes. Of course, because you are a fucking genius. I know. Please don't let anyone know that I fucked up. You fucked up? No, not at all. Because you are a fucking genius. Exactly. What do we put in your ears? Ah, uh, put a couple of new bits of music in my ears. New bits of music it's been in your ears. I've gone and like found some new music to listen Ooh. to. Uh, let me have a look. What did I listen to? Mm-hmm. Uh, I listened to a track called "Kill Your Radio" by Hearts Revolution, all one word. Okay. Uh, it's a very sort of high energy, fast paced 
A little bit of rock, a little bit of sort of dance music vibes to it. Um, a deliberately frantic track singing about going on a bit of a remove the restraints kind of bender, letting yourself go a little off the rails. The lyrics and the audio tone match very well to each other. It feels as frantic as the words sort of sound like it should feel. Mm. Um, very much enjoyed. It was very, like, you could have a good dance to it kind of tune. Excellent. Um, the other one's not a new track to me, but it's one I haven't heard in a long time that resurfaced uh, in my listening. Right. Which was uh, Ready to Die by Andrew W.K. Um, I don't know Name if you... vaguely rings a bell. Yeah. Um, so, I have not listened to this in a very long time. It is a very tonally dissonant track. Um, the music is very sort of bouncy pop music. It sounds like it would be like the, the outro to an 80s cartoon. But the vocal is like a metal vocal singing about like uh I hope you're ready to go get killed I'm coming for you over okay. this like very like do, 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 do. <laughs> um it feels like it would fit into something like Willy's Wonderland that uh right, Nick Cage yeah. we watched where like uh, uh, there is a clash between like a very uh, a horror villain that is draped in colorful splashes okay uh but it is this very very danceable upbeat bouncy track of, I uh, hope, you, hope you're ready to die, villain's coming for you. Well. It's, it is all over the place, but it is very fun to have a dance to. Mm. Uh, it's a, it's a weird, if you've never heard it, it's a weird fucking track that can, it, it burrows into your brain. Excellent. Um, what about you? What have you listened to this week? I listened to a couple of bits, mainly bits that we managed to uh, dig up from uh, a recent outing we had uh, got to catch up on on some tunes that we'd, oh, he- we'd yeah. heard out and managed to uh, dig up thereafter. So the first track is Oxygen by the Cro- Prototypes. It's the uh, Phoebe's remix. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's really good upbeat drum and bass. The kind of good stuff that we love to have good skank to. And uh, I don't, I really don't know what else I can say about it apart from it's good drum and bass and I have needed new good drum and bass because... I realised that I'm still listening to a lot of the same stuff I was listening to when I first started raving in (laughs) 2008. So, you know, maybe get some new tracks. Thanks very much. I don't want to be accused of stagnating in in my tastes. Because there is good new music out there if if you're able to find it. Uh, But yeah, and the other track that uh, I found and I was very happy about is a track by uh, LS Dream. And it mm-hmm. is called High Vibrations. Oh, this is the one with all the Asian words in this it. This is the one with all the Asian where words. Where I was trying to find it by Googling words where I was like, this is an Asian word I think was in there. And put lyrics at the end. And I was like, nah. Yeah. So, yeah, the, 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 the sort of chorus sort of talks about, uh, like, inspiration, uh, aspiration, devastation... Asian, 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 um, and then, and usually ending on high vibrations. And, um, it is a really upbeat dubstep track with, uh, like lots of really nice, like chiptune sounds in there. A few places that, a few places like there's some good, like square wave stuff. It, uh, it's so cheeky and upbeat and fun and silly and, Kind of ridiculous, because you're like, what are all these Asians? I mean, you tried with lyrics, I guess. But also, just like, it was it was fun. It was as fun bopping down the street to it earlier as it was in a room with, like, 200 people just 
bopping away to it uh, at like five thirty in the morning. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's it's very cheeky. It's got some beautiful drops in it. Um, some glorious face melting face melting bass that's just really worth just cranking up and, and listening to loud and having a good time if you're into dubstep. But yeah, I was I was very very happy to have found that again. And um, now that the the playlist has been uh, been released from that night i am gonna go through there and hopefully i will get to report back m- more tracks soon that i have discovered that uh we enjoyed and and we'll we'll tell you all about it uh, have you listened to any uh still uh not really uh other than having watched ha- um has been hotel and that had a lot of musical numbers in it, it had like two per episode oh um ones that stuck out as like have been kind of stuck in my head the track called loser baby uh, which is just about two people consoling themselves, being like, hey, we're like trashy losers, but we can be trashy losers together, and, you know, we're, we're in this together, kind of sucking. And that was kind of nice. Um, the one that has been really stuck in my head, and it is the, the focus of, uh, the, 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 uh, Angel Dust narrative is a song called Poison, which is catchy as all hell for a song that is as emotionally devastating as it is. Uh-huh. Uh, it is a very, very, very catchy pop song about, like, put it, putting on that brave face over the terrible things happening. Uh, the, the dissonance is a lot, but it is a fantastically made track. Mm. Uh, Hell is Forever is very, very catchy. It is sung by the guy who plays Beetlejuice in the Beetlejuice musical, <laughs> um, very, very gleefully singing about how, uh, oh, you, you sinned and went to hell? Well, that's forever. Get ready to get murdered if we feel like it, because we're, we're angels. We can do whatever the fuck we want. Um, very gleefully. He feels like he does good gleeful cheeky. Oh. Uh, very, very well. Yeah, it does it very well. Um, early on, there is a song called Happy Day in Hell, um, which is, it's the it's the most like skipping through the 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 happy sunshiny fields opening song of a musical it could be, right. but while traveling through the terrifying sights of hell. It's a it's a very fun track. Excellent. Um, there's there's a there's, there's a few good tracks in there. It starts with sorry was a nice one as well. Um, I'm probably forgetting some, but that those were a couple of ones that that jumped out to me as like yeah that was a that was a that was a damn catchy song that one. Excellent. Stuck in my head. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's what I've listened to this week. Well then, time for this. Hey, so we're announcing our latest crowdfunding project for the latest and greatest in storage solutions. Introducing Cubed. Cube. Made of plastic and Kevlar carbon fiber coating. Because you need a storage solution that can be bulletproof, and withstand re-entry into Earth's atmosphere. It's got a base, so stuff doesn't fall out the bottom of it. Right. And then, like, four sides up the side. Four whole sides. To hold the stuff in. To hold things in, and then it has our special patented plastic locking system. Indeed. You can you can have an open top, or you can fasten the top shut so that stuff either can go in and come out, or get stuck in there if you needed to stay there. And excuse me, isn't that just a box? Uh, what? What? Box like this, like a little cardboard box. Well, no, no, because because ours is a Kevlar storage unit. Why? 
Would anyone need that for the general day-to-day? Because it's new, and we invented it. Alright, tech bros. Laters. He's got QR codes and NFC chips. I'm Elon Musk, and I say, yeah, buy all these things. Try out Cube. Cube is the best. Cube is the best. Cube is the best. The left-wing liberals are trying to shut down Cube. I just said it was a box. Uh, welcome all to the annual Postman Technological Innovations Exhibition. I know you've been waiting all year to find out what new technology we have been uh, developing for this year for the postal industry. Uh, first up, we have... New silent shoe technology. Uh, you can place these soles on the base of your existing shoes, make it absolutely silent no matter what you're walking on. You're walking down the gravel path, you're walking up the, up, up the, uh, up, up, up the sort of dirt path, you're walking along the, uh, uh, sort of, uh, the, the regular street. Absolutely not a sound. No one will hear you coming. The dog won't bark. No one will know that you came and tried to, you know, tried to deliver a parcel and walked away very quietly. Next up, we have the ultra-fast letter-flap deployment gloves for putting that little note that says you missed the parcel through the letterbox so quick you'll be gone before they even know you were there. And lastly, we have a catapult for distance package deployments. In theory, you shouldn't use it for the fragile ones. We know you're going to use it for the fragile ones. Thank you very much, everyone. We will start taking pre-orders right now. I hope you have a wonderful year of postage delivery ahead of you. Yay. <laughs> do you know what I want to see more of? What do you want to see more of? Brochure Justice Warriors. Brochure Justice Warriors? Yeah. Right, Larry. Right, Mary. How you doing? Oh, you know, uh, the horrors persist, but so do I. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same here, same here, yeah. You've yeah, yeah. been, 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 been doing all right. Oh, I've been doing all right. <sighs> Just been frustrated by the American political system. Oh, eternally, yeah. Yeah, yeah been, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know if you've been paying much attention to some of the uh, recent going-ons over there. But, uh, the, uh, you know how the, uh, the right-wing party over there really, really, really wants to be tough on immigration and has a lot of, yeah, you know, yeah, close yeah. the border, blah, 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 bullshit they want to do. Right. Well, first of all, th- this is not even the, th- the thing I'm frustrated about particularly here, but should be. Uh, you know, Biden and his, his, his party, his left, his supposedly left-wing party, have introduced an immigration bill that does a lot of the things that the right-wing party in the States have been asking for. Right. You know, it had bipartisan support. There were people on both, you know, political parties that right. were like, yeah, yeah we can yeah, sort of yeah. get behind this. And then very quickly it got shut down quite viciously by parts of the right-wing party. And you know why it got shut down? And they've said as much. Right. Is because, yeah, this bill would do all the things that we've been asking for that we want to happen, but Biden would get credit for it. Right. So we're yeah, going to yeah, vote yeah. no because we don't want the things we want to happen to happen if if the other team gets credit for it. We want to say no and then when we're in control we'll propose the exact same thing so we can say we did it. While also undoubtedly saying things like oh yeah we'll see you never managed to get anything done. Well exactly, exactly because you know it, it, It's and, ineffectual because we kept stopping. Exactly and I'm not saying that you know I, there is any world in which I want this bill to go this particular immigration bill to go through or that I yeah. you know think that it should but it is frustrating that there can be a world in which one half of the political aisle is being explicitly catered to with the things they've been asking for politically right. and we'll still fucking say no, because we don't want it unless we can say our team did it, 
and get we get the points that say we did it so that we look good. Yeah, I mean, this is the whole problem of, you know, ostensibly left-wing parties trying to do a little bit of catering to the right wing to try and maybe win over some voters, when all it really achieves is making the actual left-wing voters go, well, I, I don't... I clearly have no one to vote for because you've become an attempt to be the lesser of two evils. Really, you've, you've not. You're not actually at that point. You realise that you're never going to get anything past them because they don't even want the things they want unless they're the ones giving it to themselves. Exactly. So you might as well go full left where people actually want you and maybe you will re-encourage people to come back to voting who have become massively disenfranchised. Indeed, but all because that's the thing, is all you're really doing right now is telling the right wing, hey, we are willing to fold on these concessions. Yeah. You know, if you come back to us when you're in power and you, you know, ask for those things, you you now know that we're in theory willing to fold on those, yeah. aren't they, you know, yeah. and not fight those points. Uh, you know, you're just giving them information that they can they can use, you know, next time around, yeah. and not, you know, actually pushing for the things that you supposedly stand for. Yeah. You know, it is a broken fucking system if one party can go, yeah, that is what we want, but not unless we can get credit. Oh, it's fucking annoying. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's. It's a far cry from, uh, you know, how politics used to be. Uh, and, you know, obviously there's there's always been some some chicanery and shittery of, in, in you know, throughout all time and, you know, across all... all it's, uh, it's gotten worse. It, it certainly has got worse and shittier and more, you know, more genuinely evil. Yeah. And, uh, you know, more, more concerning that there's none of this, well, you know, maybe a, a little bit of, of uh, give and take... You know, willing to uh, reach across the the aisle, as it were, in various parties. But here, even something genuinely shitty that's being uh, being done as an attempt to you know uh, appease that that particular side of things. It's no, we're just going to say no because nah, uh, fuck you. Yeah, it's ugh. Ugh. we are being ruled by fucking children, and that is horribly terrifying. That it is. <sighs> Fancy hug, mate. Yeah. <sighs> <sighs> good hug, mate. Good hug. Good hug. Right, I will think I'll go and I'll pop kettle on. Oh, sounds good. Sounds good. Nice, nice. So, Laura, yes. you do things upon the internet, and people would like to find those things, and how will they do that? Well, well, funny you should ask. You can find my stuff at Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere on the internet. I've got that good unified branding. Ooh. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, uh, Blue Sky, Mastodon, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Uh, just find me at Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere. Um, the big one this week is go look on YouTube.com slash Laura K. Buzz for a video about the hypothetical one console future and the discussions people are having about Xbox maybe stepping back from console stuff hypothetically and what that maybe means for accessibility. So go check out that video. Till all are one. Till all are one. Uh, what are you? Where are you on the internet? Well, I don't have unified branding, but I do have a link tree. It's linkter.ee slash chaniac, J-A-N-E-I-A-C. You can find music and things I've written and t-shirts I've designed and all sorts of other stuff. Anything... 
I always add extra links there so you can find all of the things you might need to find. And yeah, uh, you can help support me at patreon.com slash stonedmonkeyradio. Uh, for as little as a dollar a month, you can help me justify exhaustion and stuff. And yeah. And Laura. Yeah. I think that's everything. So will you tell the people, will you sing us out? Will you sing us out? Until next time, be a stranger.